about funny stuff. Serious about food. Serious about anything that I'm in the mood for. Serious. Let's get serious. Talk to me, talk to me, tell me about your fantasy. Talk to me, talk to me, tell me about your fantasy. Talk to me, talk to me, tell me about your fantasy. Let's get serious. All right. Hello. Hello. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. My name is Kendall Bruns, and you are Brian Peterlin. Right. Not the often often you're confused as being named Peter. Lynn. Correct, yes. But that's not correct at all. No. Your name is Brian. Right. Peter Lynn is simply a surname. Sure. Is that the right? Is surname the second one? Yeah. The surname is your last name. What's your first name called? I don't know. (laughs) First name? Huh. There's got to be... I mean, is your first name just name? Maybe. And then the... And then your surname. Surname. Yeah. I really... Because usually you're you're Sir Peter Lynn. (laughs) Right? That's a you know that's an interesting theory yeah. about maybe the origins of the word. Sure. I'm really interested in uh, either entomology or etymology. I actually am interested in both. Okay. One of those is the study of word origins. Okay. The other one is the study of bugs. Okay. I got. I'm and I I often get them uh, confused. Confused. <laughs> it's I think it's the similarity in the word. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, and also in the study. Right, yeah. Because what what is language if not bugs? Like bugs. Yeah. If you think about it. I, I, I mean, both make me think about like social hierarchy. Okay. Uh, communication. We don't know how they, we don't know how bugs communicate. Mm-mm. It's mysterious. Ants, do you know, they do weird stuff. Don't they do stuff with their antenna. There's that, but also like they, um, they dance around too, right? Like they'll they communicate with each other in ways that are mysterious to us. But maybe it's not completely mysterious because I feel like I I heard some things, like yeah, some expl- <laughs> no some explanations <laughs> about how ants do it. Like uh, I mean, communicate with each other, not not have sex. I have no idea how they do that. Right. That's not part of my. Interest. I guess I'm vaguely curious, but um, yeah, something like ants will figure out like the quickest route to something, and then they'll be able to communicate that to the other ants. But I think it has something to do with when they get like a bunch of ants go out to get some food, right? Uh-huh. The ones that come back first got there fastest, and so then the next ants follow them, and so it's oh, kind of like it seems like maybe. They're talking to each other, and maybe there's some of that happening, but uh-huh. there's also sort of just like systematic kind of like maybe chemical things that are happening or uh, ways of communicating that might be part of it. Interesting. Anyway, I did not mean to speak about this, but it, it seems somewhat relevant to talking to you. Sure. Because, do you know why? Well, Can you I, imagine? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> do you have theories? <laughs> uh, I might have a few, one or two. Okay. Well, why don't you throw me one? Throw me out one. Um, I do a show where I don't speak at all. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So, okay, before we get into all that, let's do a little bit a little bit more background okay. thing. Um, so, you 
just tell us a little bit about yourself, Mr. Peter Lynn. <laughs> Mr. Peter Lynn. Peter Lynn, yeah. yes. Um, well, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. Um, I have. We're uh, in Chicago now. Maybe right. I should mention that. Oh, yeah. Right. So I grew up in the western suburbs of Chicago. Um, I have a younger brother, seven years younger than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, You're going way back. Yeah, I'm going pretty far back. Good, good. I, what I, part of what I like is an uh, interview that's very thorough. Okay. You know. All right. That's part of what this is about. So right. let's you're you're taking it down the right yeah. road without me even having to tell you. Sure. Okay. Good. If anything, I'm derailing this process. <laughs> you're stopping me. Yeah. <laughs> but go go continue. continue. Um. So I grew up in the western suburbs. Um. With it was just my uh, I have a younger brother. Um. Pretty much had like a normal childhood, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh. When I left, doesn't everyone think they I have a think normal so, childhood? I mean, yeah. everybody bases their idea of what a normal childhood is probably on their yeah. own. No one ever comes out and says, "I had the worst childhood ever." Well, yeah. some people do, but they might. But it's less likely for them to say, "I had a very unusual yeah. childhood." That's true. Um, so my parents moved when I was in right after I graduated middle school. So right before freshman year of high school. Um, so we moved from the western suburbs to the really far western suburbs, um, out past Elgin. Um, so I went from a school that had... How far, and how far is that from uh, down, It's about down Chicago. 50 miles okay. or so west. So growing up, did you like make trips to the city and stuff? Not until I was in high school. So you felt like you were in the... I felt like I was... Like in the bur- suburb, sure. suburban Midwest kind of thing? Right, yeah. Um, like a John Hughes movie? Maybe, yeah. Um, and then I, so I went from a school that had 2000 students in it to a school that a high school that had 400 students in it. So it was a really big change for me just cause I was used to, uh, what was important as a child when I was, or what was important to me as a student when I was in middle school wasn't important when I was in high school, like, uh, clothes and everything were the big thing, like how you looked, who you hung out with in middle school. And then in high school it was no one cared. Because it was a smaller. Because it was a smaller. Like, was it? Were there s- fewer groups within the group? Yeah. You know, was it, it less segregated? Like, it was totally not segregated in terms of race, but I mean, it, it's like uh, different groups, the cliques, like, cliques yeah. and stuff. Yeah, there was three. It was uh, the stoners, mm-hmm. uh, the preppy, popular people, and then everyone else. And which group were you in? Pretty much everyone else. Okay. Yeah, I never was really popular, and you weren't in the prep pop. No, and I didn't hang out with the stoners. Mm-mm. I was just—they smelled weird. They did. They like black jeans. I didn't really like black jeans. So hey, I'm much. wearing black jeans right now. <laughs> I know you are. are you slamming my clothing? <laughs> no. I will add that I asked you to dress nicely. I said wear something nice. I am wearing something because nice. I thought that would be funny right. on the. Well, we're not on the radio, but like for people just listening, sure. but I made you wear something nice. I'm wearing, and you're wearing a Star Trek T-shirt. Well, yeah, it's mm-hmm. a nice. I guess it's a nice one. It is. Some of them are kind of gaudy. That one's like a clean, like simple, basic, iconic. Sure. It's got the Enterprise on there, old school Star Trek font. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, I just that's where I. So I went out. I grew up out there. I guess. I guess I consider that growing up. Until I think what when age? You're in, 
Oh, well, uh, until I was 21. Okay. Yeah, it's growing up. Yeah. So from, you know, I learned... I think a lot of growing up is done when you're in high school anyway, just because that's when you find out, like, ooh, this is what I want to do. This is the stuff I like. This is who I am. This is how I do stuff. And you figured all that stuff out? When no, you were, I didn't yeah. find... I still haven't figured that stuff okay. out. Um, all right. So uh, I started to... I started a job i got a job at the same place my mom worked at because that was convenient i didn't have to go looking for a job um and i went to college at devry uh so and what kind of school is that devry is like a technical school i learned to write computer software okay uh, and then that's what i did for a living after and that. why did you do that why yeah um just because i i liked it it was interesting. I guess it's a lot of problem solving, which mm-hmm. I think I'm pretty good at. Uh, and that just interests me, computers in general. So, Did uh, you play with video games a oh lot? Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. And do you think, I mean, like, was there a connection between that and the computer stuff? Uh, probably, like, did you yeah. want to make video games, I, or was I, it more like you were comfortable with that kind of thinking because of video games, maybe? Yeah. Uh, like, a video game is very, like, you have to do things in a specific order in order to solve a problem. Um, you know, any kind of video game is like that. And I think that's just how my brain worked, I guess. I was really good at doing that kind of thing. Um, and writing computer software is the same thing. You know, it's you have, there's, somebody wants software to do something so what are the steps that you need to take to get to that point uh and i think i just got really good at doing that okay so, so you go to college and it's a technical to do um what was it major it was uh computer information systems okay computer information systems yeah. and then i want to fast forward a little bit sure to where you're at now okay because then i want to go back and and talk about the gap okay why don't you give an explanation of kind of what you, your activity, what you do for a living, and then also the other things that you do, just briefly for okay. people who don't know. So now I'm the facilities director. The facilities director, I guess, is my title. Um, I pretty much take care of a three-theater complex in the city of Chicago, so I have to maintain the building. Um, it goes from, like, cleaning toilets, like when they're clogged, all the way to helping people hang lights to painting everything, pretty much everything that has to do with the building. And what kind of theater is it? It's a, right now it's a, well, it's stage seven, stage seven, seven, three. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which was recently uh, yes. named that it used to be the Chicago theater building. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I do that. And then I also perform uh, sketch comedy on the side for fun. Okay. Yeah. And you, in addition to that, you also do tech yes. for a lot of other sketch groups. Yeah. Right? I do tech for the, I do tech for the Chicago sketch comedy festival, which is the largest sketch comedy festival in the nation, in the world, maybe. Uh, and that's it. That nobody's checking up on. No, I don't think anyone make the claim. I'm going to largest, largest in the, in the world universe. In the universe. Yes. <laughs> um, so I do tech for one theater out of the three. During the festival. During the festival, yeah. And then there are some groups that you do tech for. And then I do tech for groups on the side, like the Cupid Players. Uh, I do tech for Off-Off Broadway. Um, a couple others, too. Okay. 
So I want to now, now I'd like for you to just tell me about like how you got from where you were at school to where you are now, because I would imagine there are definitely some similarities in that, like the stuff that you were doing does apply to technical support sure. and like the tech that you have to be involved with to run a show. Right. But I'm just wondering how much overlap there is and just what your path was sure. and make it interesting and funny. Interesting and funny. Yeah. Oh man. Not but funny. not too funny. Okay. Just like, just funny enough so that someone doesn't get bored. Okay. Um, so I left college. I was finished college and I was still, uh, working at the same place that I was, um, my mom for well, the same place my mom worked at. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was the work that you were doing there was, it was, I was in their it department. Yeah. Yeah. So I was real world experience doing it stuff. Correct. Yeah. Um, so I met um my wife there, Jill. Uh, Jill Valentine. Jill Valentine. Who was in Cupid Players right. and Off Off Broadway. Correct. Um she was a sales she did sales there and uh I I she called me cuz I used to do help desk support for them and she called me one day and she had a problem with her computer and I fixed it and um she said, thanks, crack ass, and then hung up the phone on me. <laughs> crack ass? Crack ass, she called me. Watch, because that, because why? I don't know. That was just what she called me. And huh. I was like, and then, I thought she was this, I, I instantly hated her after that. Yeah. I was like, I don't like this girl at all. Yeah, so then they got married. <laughs> then we got married, yeah, pretty much. Um, so, because uh, she had just gotten out of college, so we started, we, that's how we knew we, we just related, I guess. Because a lot of people that worked there were a lot older. Mm-hmm. Um, so we hung out. What was she doing there? She was doing sales. Okay. Yeah. It was just a job after college for her, too. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we moved to the... Well, I moved out of my house and into her apartment. How quickly did that happen? Three months. Really? <laughs> yeah. How, how did it... What happened between Thanks Crack Ass to living together? Um, <laughs> I mean, there's like... Were there like company picnics? No, I asked her. Did your mom, did your mom set it up? No, <laughs> no. Um, I asked her to go on a date with me. Um, like, I, but from a t- like, well, like I, I went up. She was in a. She worked at a different office, and so I went to go give her, uh, give that whole office a brand new computer. So I went there, and that's how I met her. And I left my business card on her keyboard, like being all fancy, like, "Hey, if you ever uh-huh. need to call me, here's my business card." Right. Um, case you have a technical sure. issue yeah it needs i'll assistance. take care of it <laughs> uh so um she, we talked on the phone a couple times and then she had suddenly she had lots of problems with her computer maybe yeah <laughs> i figured out how to like do chat before there was chatting uh-huh. available um which was fun so we would chat a lot and then um i said hey let's go you want to go <laughs> i asked her i said do you like video games that mm-hmm. was my and she's like, sure, I guess. Um, so was she lying? In I think retrospect? yeah, she totally was lying. She hates video games. Okay. Um, but I went to it's a good thing to build a relationship on right on foundation lies. of lies. Yeah. Um, I said because Devry was right next to Dave and Buster's, so we would always go to Dave and Buster's. So I said, hey, let's go to Dave and Buster's. And she thought, okay, great. 
So I went to Dave and Buster's, um, and I was like, hey, I asked all my friends, like, you guys have to hang out and meet this girl, you know, uh, just because I don't want to be here by myself with this girl. Just because I'm, I don't know why. I just didn't want to. Mm-hmm. I was scared. Group date. Yeah. And uh, all my friends ditched me. And I sat at the bar, and she was like 45 minutes late. And this was when I first started drinking, too. Um, so I had like three beers, and I was super drunk. And I was like, oh, she's 45 minutes late, or she's not showing up. So I just left. I was like going to leave. And I couldn't remember what she looked like either, because I'm really bad <laughs> with names and faces. Like, awful with names and faces. All I knew is she had blonde hair. Well, then I looked at by, I was walking out the door, like towards the front door, and th- three blonde chicks walked in and I'm like, I don't know which one is her. <laughs> it's uh-huh. really bad. <laughs> yeah. So we sat down at the bar and we started talking and then, uh, so she had come, with she did with her friends thinking that I was going to be bringing my friends, but it was just me. So it was really awkward. Uh-huh. And you weren't sure right. which of the three girls. Right. Well, I did after she sat down, she sat right next to me and I okay. figured it out like real quick. <laughs> <laughs> what if this whole time you've been duped? Maybe. It could Maybe be. she's not even Jill. It's a long con. Right, it is. It's a super now, long con. Now, I know... Okay, so this may seem just like a tangent that's, sure. that doesn't mean anything to anybody who doesn't know you, but I think it's interesting because um, you you definitely... A lot of your creative endeavors overlap with things that she also is working on, and so it, your... I mean, your relationship is relevant, I think. Right. And and just kind of understanding, like, how um, the world works, man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, we do a lot of the same type of projects. Um, She's more... She's a very creative person, um, whereas I'm more of, like, the technical... So she, yeah, she's a performer, right? Um, Cupid Players is a group that does musical sketch, and she performs in that. She's been doing that for what eight, ten years? Ten years since the group started. Ten years. They perform at IO, right, in Chicago, Um, and Off Off Broadway is also a musical sketch group that's sort of like. parody of burlesque correct yeah uh, good way to describe it yep so yeah and so she performs and writes for that as well so she's she's definitely like on the stage in the spotlight right and on but it, with both of those groups you do the tech correct so i guess i always kind of wondered like was she interested in sketch and in comedy theater when you met her yeah uh she did and she kind of b- brought you into that yeah yeah, she did a lot of, um, it's called, uh, when she was in high school, she did what's called forensics, which is not forensic science. It's uh, like speech and communication. Mm. Um, like on CSI. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, I tell people, I was like, oh, Jill did forensics. They're like, wow, she's really smart. Yeah. I was like, no, no, no. I mean, she did like, <laughs> she's smart, but she did like, <laughs> you know, um, it's uh, like speech and, and stuff like that. Um, she was really good at it in high school and she went to Bradley, which is the best speech school in the United States. Uh, they recruited her to go there. So she's always been performing. She's always done. She did. Do you mean speech as in like in front of people and talk or speech as in like help <laughs> yeah. analyze people? No, it's, it's, 
Uh, it's hard to explain. You'll have to... I'll ask her. Yeah, ask her about it. It's <laughs> if anyone. It, it's called forensics. Okay. Um, it has to do with. It's a, a lot of communication majors are they. They do speech. It's like there's a bunch of different categories. There's like poetry. There's after dinner speaking. Okay. Um, so, so she it, was doing some kind of performance. She was always like performing. It was related. Yeah. She also did um, shows at her high school. They did musicals. They did shows. She was in like community theater and stuff a lot when she was a kid. Right. Um, and she, so she's used to doing, she's used to being on stage. Um, and so she kind of dragged me into that, I guess. Um, the first show I did was with the Cupid Players. Uh, and it was a Cupid Player's second show they ever did. And the director, Brian Posen, wanted to show a video on before the show actually started. And Jill's like, oh, my boyfriend can do that. And I was like, so she brought me in there. I was like, I have no idea what I was doing, but right. I just kind of figured it out. Um, and that's how I got in that group. And that's how I, that was how I started in doing tech, doing tech for stuff for sketch, for sketch. kind of performance yeah. things. Yeah. So that was like my first real, like, into the theater. Um, the only other theater I did was in, I was the wizard in the Wizard of Oz in sixth grade. <laughs> <laughs> was there tech involved with that? Yeah, there was. a giant projected head and stuff? Um, we made a head out of uh, one of those Chinese lanterns, those really big paper okay. round lanterns. We yeah. just put paper mache on it and then made a face uh-huh. and then put a light inside it. Oh, it does sound high. Yeah, super high tech. Yeah, it was. Did they have technical support? Uh, they did, yeah. They had lighting. they had lighting and stuff like that. I was, in, I was 12 yeah. or 10 okay. or whatever. Do you think there's any seed there? No. In retrospect? No. no okay. Uh-uh. Um, I'm glad I'm not those guys. Yeah. Well, I didn't really even think about that. I was more of like, I got to cheat. Like, I didn't have to memorize any of my lines because they're behind a curtain, so I read my script off of a piece of paper. Yeah. Um, I had some really funny pictures of it, too. I had a mullet. I was the only wizard with a mullet, I think. I bet that's not true anymore. <laughs> I mean, not necessarily specific to Wizard of Oz, but sure. there's definitely wizards with mullets. Out Maybe, there. yeah. Mullet wizards, mullet wizards do exist. <laughs> so they thrive in certain parts of the country, right? I guess, yeah. <laughs> and in the eighties, man, in the 80s, you could not, you, you couldn't find a wizard without a mullet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So, but that was like my first thing. So that's how I kind of got drug, 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 drugged, did? Dragged? Dragged. I got dragged into doing theater. I liked it. I mean, it was... Um, I, I, like do, I like doing it now. It's like a, mm-hmm. you know... I guess it's really a... Because you don't get paid to do it, so it's just kind of more of like... I like doing it because it's fun type deal. Why don't we talk a little bit about what it really... Like, what you're doing, what your job when you're the tech person for, like a Cupid player show or an off, off Broadway show is and sure. Give us a little insight into that. Um, Cause I think from an audience perspective, you're the guy who either people don't even know you're there or right. if you're doing your job, right. They're not noticing you. Right. You know? So what is it? What goes into it? What do you have to do? Uh, well for sketches different. Um, there's a lot of, uh, you're, you're right. You, you don't, if people don't know that you're there, you did a good job. Um, so a lot of it is done where 
you know, you get the actors ready for the show. So you make sure they're, well, this is, I'll tell you a typical Cupid show. Um, we get, our show starts at 1030. So we get there at 930. All the actors warm up. I get the piano set on stage where it's supposed to be, the chair set. Uh, I make sure all the lights work in the theater. And then the cast warms up. And then at 10 o'clock, the house opens. So I have to get everyone backstage. So you're kind of a stage manager. You're almost. sort of a stage manager, yeah. Um, I play house music, the house music until while the, the group loads or while the audience comes in. And then I tell the actors, okay, you have 10 minutes left, you have five minutes left. All right, it's time to start the show. And then you start the show and you just do uh, the different lighting for the different scenes during the show. Right. Most of the time the people don't have mics because it's smaller rooms and stuff. Correct. Yeah. So for the IO, the show that we do at improv Olympic, um, or IO, we don't have, there's no mics. So they just sing. Um, so mostly my job is just done is lighting Mm -hmm. for that show. Uh, there's no sound cues or anything like that. And all the music is comes from the piano. And then, uh, we take an intermission. So I play house music until I feel that everyone's got their drinks and everyone's done in the bathroom. Then I tell the cast, time to start the show again, or the second act. They do the second act. I do lights, and then the show ends. And that's it. And so, like, uh, Cupid players, they have, like, a steady place where they they always are doing I.O. on Saturdays, right? Right, yeah. But um, the other group, uh, Off Off Broadsway, perform in a lot of different places. Right. How is it different, like, going into a situation like that? Because you're going to have different lighting situa- like right. options. Yeah. Uh, are there standard things that most places... There are, and there's not. Um, a lot of places, it just depends. They do a lot of gigs in bars. Uh, and most bars don't... They'll have, like, a little tiny stage, and they'll just have a, a couple lights that are always on. So you never have to turn them off. Mm-hmm. You can't turn them off. Um, so with the broads, it's more of like, well, I have to carry, cause they usually carry a piano with them and an amplifier. So it's kind of like I'm carrying the piano and the amplifier, uh, setting all that up, make sure, making sure it sounds right for the room. Um, making sure that everyone can hear the piano and the voices cause they're not mic'd either. Um, and then there are a few places where there is lighting and it's just kind of like they, the people that work there say, here's our light board. And this is how it kind. This is how it works. And then you have to do your show in twenty minutes. So it's kind of more or less. A lot of it's done on the fly. Yeah. You just guess. It's a lot of guesswork. But is I mean, is, are there very complicated lighting changes and things uh, no. for like Cupid players or uh, for Cupid players? No, not really. I mean, there might be to someone that has never seen it before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've just been doing it for seven years, so it's kind of, it's not that complicated for it's me. It's just maybe like like taking lights down for a certain part or yeah, like isolating somebody in a spot or something. Right, yeah. A lot of it is just, you know, here's this, this person's going to stand in the special or the spotlight, and then they're going to move over here, so we need a light over here. They want flashy lights here. You so know. you said earlier that you don't get paid to do this. Correct. You don't get paid at all to nope. do that. No, <laughs> it's a lot of time you're spending. Yeah. So why why is is it because 
Jill is your wife, and um, so I mean, is that part of? Yeah, I would think that's. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of it. Um, I just like to do it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, Why do you like to do it? Because I I don't know. It's just a lot of it is like, um, it's so interesting to watch them on stage. Just watch other people perform on stage, especially if you watch a show. Um, over and over and over again, the same show. You, you. To me, uh, it's interesting to watch the changes that the actors make, because um, they'll change a line here or there. Or they'll do something different, and they're always constantly trying out new things to make people laugh. Um, and it's to me, it's interesting to watch that. Like I'm always, I, I always know that they're gonna try to change something or make something funnier. And I'm always excited to watch. I'm like, oh, what are they going to do this time? What are they going to do this time? Do you think, is that something that's happening for themselves more than for the audience? Or is it, I think so. Or is it, I mean, is the goal to create the perfect version of the show? Or is it more like, we got to keep this interesting for ourselves? Or do those two things, are they not? Those, I think you can put those two together. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they're constantly trying to make the show better. And, and so people are constantly like, maybe if I do this, it might be funnier. Oh, and, and if it doesn't work, they're like, okay, well that didn't work. So I'm going to try something different or I'm going to say this line or I'm going to say it this way. Or, you know, it, it, it's kind of a, a, and for them, it's more of like a, um, I think for them it's the same thing. Like I'm going to say this line to this person and I want to see how they react to it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's kind of almost a, I would kind of call it almost like a game that they play with each other on stage where, um, you know, Jill and Liz are like, Liz will say things. Liz is in off, off Broadway. She will change a line every show. She'll and she'll come like there's out. a specific line. There's sometimes there's there'll like be a, a couple that have yeah, some flexibility. There are yeah ones that have a uh, flexibility. Like she can just come out and say this line, but she makes it different every single show, you know. And it's funny to me to watch the reaction of the other people on stage to that line. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even if the line's not funny, it's just interesting to see how other people, the people on stage, react to it. How do at what point does that become like insider baseball though? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's this risk, I think of whenever you're doing any kind of like, comedy show, there's always the question of, is this funny to anyone but me? Yeah. And so I'm wondering from your, pers- it would be a totally different question to ask Jill or Liz, for example, but as somebody who's like watching them, night after you know night after night after night are there times when you think well that's really funny if you know this other little piece of backstory or that maybe isn't necessarily like connecting to the audience yeah there are a few i mean you definitely run the risk of of doing oh this is an inside joke uh and only the four people on stage are going to get it or however many people are on stage you definitely i mean those are things that you have to be uh very careful of doing um, and it still happens. I mean, people do it all the time. Or like a joke just for the tech guy. Yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I think you have to be careful of that. I, I, I mean, people do it all the time. 
Uh, sometimes it, it works. Sometimes it's really funny. Uh, sometimes it's just funny to the people on stage or they do it to see if the other person's going to uh, laugh on stage, mm-hmm. you know, and then that makes most of the time the audience sees the person laughing on stage. So they know something wasn't right about it. And so then the audience laughs because of that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there might be this kind of a lot of what makes a person laugh or not has to do with tone and atmosphere. Right. In addition to, conceptually whatever's happening or the specific words that are being said. So right. we could see that having like a trickle down effect in a way. Yeah. And sometimes it does distract from the shows. Then sometimes people will uh, get carried away with that. Do you find, is it interesting to you how different crowds will react to the same show, seeing the same show? Or yeah. It's amazing. Like, it's unbelievable that people will see Cupid and it can be constantly the same. But you'll have one audience that will just be on their feet, like rolling on the floor, laughing so hard. And then the next week you do the same show and the audience is just like dead quiet. It's it's unreal. It, you can't, it's so weird. And you, that are there any trends that you see like a certain night or a certain time of show that maybe uh, it's just a, no or is it just a total crapshoot it's just yeah it is a crapshoot it really depends on who's in the audience i'd like to know the where that phrase comes from actually crapshoot? the history of crap well, who does that <laughs> just like loads their gun with crap i don't know maybe it has something to do with like shotguns you know how like when you shoot a shotgun and it like it's a large spread yeah Maybe crap is a type of um, like projectile, maybe that, like shoots like a crap because sh- when you say it's a crap shoot, it's kind of like you're just throwing caution to the wind or like right something. I don't know. We'll uh, look that that's up. That's an interesting one. Yeah, crap I'll shoot. look that up and we'll have that in the uh, show notes. All right, some history on crap shoot. <laughs> so you. How many shows do you think you see a week? A week? Yeah. Um, well, right now I only see one. I just, just see Cupid. Yeah. But then when you're doing, like, so coming up for in December, Off Off Broadway, have a show once a right. week also. So then you'll be seeing two shows. Correct. I guess what I'm getting at is doing these, like, long-running groups and then also uh, being involved with Sketchfest, which we can talk more about in a little bit, you have seen a tremendous amount of sketch comedy. Yeah. And you were somebody who it doesn't sound like really had an interest in that. Right. Initially. Right. And sort of like randomly found yourself immersed in that world, like immersed in a very consistent way. Yeah. Over a long period of time. We're talking about 10 years. Yeah. And now you're doing a group yourself. Yep. And I remember I saw you guys perform, I think, two years ago. Uh-huh. Was that the first time? Um, Is that about when you when I think so. Formed? Yeah, about two years ago. Two or three years ago. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Bryco? That's the group that you're in. Yeah. Um, we are a all-silent sketch comedy group. So we don't speak at all on stage. And all of our... All of the funny comes from our actions and what we do um 
it's with uh, it's myself, Brian Posen, and Tim Sosko. Um, and so Brian is also in Cupid Players. He yes. plays the piano during the show. Correct. He's the uh, director and the producer of the Cupid Players. And he um, also like tell us just very briefly like about him because he's fairly well known here yes. in the city. And he is a um, he teaches at uh, he teaches improv at columbia college he's teaches uh improv at second city he's been at second city for i don't know a a long time um he i think is head of the training center at second city i don't know he's real important over there (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what his title is everybody who goes to second city knows him yeah if you go through like the level a through e i think you'll know uh brian posen um and a lot of like he teaches a lot at columbia um he's been in print ads and tv he's been on er stuff like that um yeah and tim tim is uh i don't know a whole lot about tim's background um but he teaches at second city as well um he's been in the cupid players for since 2003 so seven years he's been in cupid players um, so and so both these guys you knew initially from cupid players and but they're both people that are pretty well established in the scene here yeah as far as sketch comedy so i want to know like how did you get involved with them doing a show Um, someone have you ever done any training no you're taking an improv class i I did yes yeah i took a level a at second city which is like the first level and then I just didn't, uh, I, when was that? Yeah. Oh, geez. That was probably like was nine, year, nine years ago. Okay. Yeah. It was a long time ago. Oh, you thought maybe this is something you wanted to do. Yeah. I thought I would try it and see. Um, and I just didn't, it wasn't for me. I didn't when like you that. took one class and you were like, Ugh, I'm not maybe like eight years from now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just didn't like the, the training part of it, I guess, mm-hmm. just because I knew that, um, I like that's the hard part. Well, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I liked being on the technical side of things, not so much on stage. Was some of that like stage fright? Yeah. Or performance yeah. anxiety? I think a lot of it had to do with, um, I hated speech class when I was in college. I, I hated giving speeches, public speaking. I just, which is the number one fear for a lot of people. I just didn't like it. So I was just more afraid of that. I didn't like getting up and, and embarrassing myself, I guess. But you oh. found a workaround. I did, yeah. I don't have to say anything. <laughs> so there are three of you. Yes. Um, I'm sorry. I guess you didn't finish saying like how the idea of this. Started. Oh right. Uh, so um, we watched the just because I was involved uh, in the start of the Chicago Sketch Comedy Festival. Um, I watched, like you said, a bunch of hundreds of sketch shows, and um, there Why was. Let me go ahead and say what a little bit about what that is for people that sure. don't know. You already said it's the biggest sketch uh, show in the, or festival yes. in the universe. Correct. But a little more specifically, it's hundred. It's 120. Well, this year we had 120 groups, 120 groups over two weekends. Correct. Yeah. This is the 10th year. Yes. It's coming up soon. Yes. It's January 6th, 6th through the 16th. And it's okay. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So it's eight days. So you have just tons of groups from 
Chicago, but also from all over the country, even some international groups. Correct. Yes. And it, it'll be like, uh, you just spend the whole evening going group to group. Right. Or, I mean, there's individual shows, but to really do it, it's fun to like, just yeah. see. So in, within that two weeks, you can see, you know, 20, 40 groups, depending on how much time you, you've right. got. Uh, yeah. You can, if you're there the whole time, you can see probably around 50 different groups. Uh-huh. Um, and so you often will be running tech in one of the three theaters correct, during yeah. the festival. Yeah. We run all three theaters simultaneously at the same time. Simultaneously at the same time? Yes. Wow. So all that is thorough. It is, yeah. Um so what'll happen is like Thursday we'll have um an eight thirty show in each theater. So that and then eight thir- uh, Thursday groups, there's two groups per show. So for at eight thirty you get to see two different groups and then at nine or at yeah, something like that you get to see another two groups. So you can so literally like I'll start I'm in the, I take care of one theater. So all three of our theaters will start all at the same time. And then they all let out at the same time. So we can let the next audience in. Yeah. Um, and it gets progressively harder. Like on Saturdays, we have shows at six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10 and 11. Uh, and if a group goes long, we can't start the next show until all the theaters are done. Because if someone in one theater wants to see the next group in the right. other theater, it's a lot of logistic issues. Yeah. And timing it and is a lot of, yeah. So I I've come to the Sketchfest a, a number of times, like the last I think I've been to three or out of the last four years something yeah. like that, um, and it's really I mean the the ability to see so many different groups in such a short period of time is really interesting and unique. Um, it's got to be different from your side of things because you're stuck in in one theater, right? Right. So. Why don't you tell us what it's kind of like doing uh, that? It is, um, it's hard. And you're d- doing tech for groups that you don't know. Correct. So do they sometimes have their own tech person? That- sometimes they do, yeah, uh, which is great. We we encourage that just because I have to learn you, all your cues for your show, your lights and your sound, and if you have video. I have 40 minutes to learn that. And usually it's done on, like, say, your tech is on Monday, but your show is not till Sunday, so it's seven days later. You have to... I have to remember all that. I have to write, you know, so I take lots of notes as we're going, but I only have 40 minutes to do it. Mm-hmm. And then the texts are just as um, heavily um, orchestrated as the shows are. So on Mondays, I'll have to do five texts at night. And same thing with the other... Three, two theaters so we're all doing techs all at the same time mm-hmm. and then the next day we do the same thing on tuesday and then on wednesday we do it and then we have shows on thursday but the thursday shows we teched on monday so you see how it kind of yeah. and then uh, we have out-of-state groups which we can't tech till the day of their show because most of them fly in the day of their show they fly in on friday and so we have to tech them during the day so at like two o'clock i'll tech their show and then they do it that night you know, so there's a lot of weird overlap. The tech schedule is just as chaotic as the regular schedule. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm stuck in a booth most of the time from the time our shows start until the time the last show ends. So it is on Friday nights, I'll be in there from 6 o'clock till 1 in the morning, you know, 
and I do. I don't. I mean, I can leave to go to the bathroom and stuff like that. There's so at that point, do you enjoy the like watching the groups perform? Uh, I do. Yeah, it's because when you're doing a tech, you're not really watching their show. Mm-hmm. You're doing like a cue to cue, so it's more of like okay, the show, the scene starts, the lights up. This is the kind of lighting I want, and then halfway through the scene, I'll have this sound cue when they say this line. So I'll just we won't do. They won't say all the lines I'll just go right to that yeah. line do that and I'll write it so it's in. still new to you when you it see is, it totally performed yep. but do you have you ever screwed anybody up like really bad tell um, us a horror story oh. like what's the worst there's a lot I, I <laughs> not a lot but um, I try really hard not to obviously well, sure yeah um, I don't really know of any i can't really give you a specific of of when i've screwed up badly i know i've done it um what happens to a a lot of things that'll go wrong are uh, a group will come in and they'll say um my the outline or the last line of the scene because you're only doing a cue to cue during your tech they'll say the last sign last line of this scene is um and then he ate all my pizza but they say that more than once. Right, but they don't tell you that. So there was one show where... The, the scene se- ended like five times. <laughs> the second, No, the second line of the show was, my friend ate all my pizza, and I was like, oh, that's the line, and I black out, and then we go to the next scene. So they didn't even do that so scene. they had like a two... They had like a two-line two scene, scene, and the audience was just like, what the hell's going Did, on? So no big applause No, on they're like, this is, that was the dumbest thing I've yeah, ever but seen. What if, that could have been a great <laughs> sketch that you like... Do you ever, I mean, think of the power you have. Yeah. You could be like, it should end now. Right. <laughs> Lights down. Right. Um, so, I mean, there's been stuff like that. Um, stuff where, like, the a lot, of, a lot of groups are using video now, which just adds a whole huge element of problems. Do they usually bring DVDs? Yeah, and uh, a lot of it is the DVD doesn't read in the DVD player yeah. or... The um, menu navigating through. Right, and... So, you know, you run into things like that or their CD not working correctly. Um, but they all have backups, right? No. <laughs> I've had a couple of groups uh, not show up for their tech. So they show up the day of their show and they're just like, here's my running order. And it's on this bar napkin that I wrote like 30 minutes ago. You know, and you just have to get. And they're like, you'll know when the scene's over. It's like, no, I don't know when the scene's over. You know, stuff like that. I've gotten those. Um so do you have any advice for all the hundreds of people who are going to be asking you to help them in a few uh, weeks? Just make sure you, if, if you, the best is have someone in the booth with us to call the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and if not, even if they're not doing the tech, just yeah, to, just to say this, this, the end of the scene is coming up now. And then now is the end of the scene. That mm-hmm. type of thing is great. I love, I mean, that's the easiest for us. You know, it stops you from being as lonely. Yeah, it does. I get someone to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, just if you're going to give me a running order, you know, make sure you follow your running order, your scripts or whatever. Make sure you say all your lines. A lot of groups, they'll give me a script and I'll be following along in the script, but they'll skip around in the scene. Mm-hmm. Like the actors forget lines and then I get lost. I'm like, I don't know where I'm at. You know, I don't know where they're at. I don't know where they think they're at, you know is this guy going to pull out the gun and shoot that guy? Or am I just going to sit here with my finger on the pause button until he does shoot, you know? So it's right. a, it's a lot of that. Um, but just stick with, you know, 
stick with if you're gonna give me a script stick to your script or whatever do the groups tend to be pretty nice to you in general yeah do they learn your name and say yeah. thanks and all that kind of stuff that's a yeah a lot of groups are um a lot of them are very nice most of them are um there's some element of uh actors being stressed out and not being as friendly but i think that just goes along with just being stressed out mm-hmm. um there are some groups that don't like they don't know who i am and they've run into the problem where they like i'll be in the lobby and they'll just be uh or they'll treat your the the biggest thing is is always treat your tech person with respect because they can make or break your show really um not that i would ever do that i'm not a vindictive person when someone's mean to me it's just well, it's just the same if you're in a band you know the sound guy yeah. should be your friend sure. ideally yeah absolutely <laughs> um yeah cuz they're going to try to make your show is sound as good and that's just what we're there to make your show as good as as it can be you know um so always be nice to your tech person i guess i've had groups you know, come in and say, here's a, here's a card. They've given me gift certificates. Here's a case of beer, you know. What does that get them? That, well, I mean, they've done <laughs> it after their, their show. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I don't, I mean, that's nice. I just, most of the time, like if a group says thanks, that's, I, I don't like, that's awesome for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm like, Hey, you give me stuff now because I made you look good. No, I'm not. Right. I'm not like that. I mean, I might want to think about it. Well, all right. I mean, on the record, though, on the that's record. your position. Right. My position is off the record. If you want to give me cash, I'll take cash. It's the best. It is. Yeah. Can't be tracked. So back to Bryco. Yes. That's really what I wanted to talk to you about. And now we're, we're yeah, running out of time. You, you got the whole Brian Peterlin backstory. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's what I wanted, though. Yeah. You know, I, I know you sort of peripherally. Sure. We've t- talked a few times, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Right. Seen you the last couple of years, but I've never yeah. had a real conversation. So, yeah. Um, that's why we're here. So tell me about the silent show. Yeah. We, um, our goal was, we wanted to, Brian and I came up with this idea of doing a show where we didn't talk at all. And, um, so we were d- talking about it. Do you remember the genesis of that desire? Um, we watched a group do a silent scene once uh, at the Chicago Sketch Comedy Festival. Was it Was it Ten West? No, it was. They were called Bald Face Lie. Okay. Um, they're a Seattle group, um, and they're amazing. They just did some amazing silent scenes. Were they all silent? No, they weren't just all some? silent. They were just some, and we Brian and I were like, they were unbelievable. They sold out at the the festival they were amazing and um we thought well let's i want to kind of do that let's see if we can do a show about that brian said that brian and i yeah we were talked about doing it and uh so we were sitting down at um um a bar after the cupid show one night and we were talking about it and tim sasco came up and he's like oh yeah you guys could do this if you want to do that he started and then we're like well why don't you just be in the group then if you're going to give us all these ideas, like he kept oh, for like three weeks, he kept giving us these ideas <laughs> and we're like, Oh yeah, that's great. We'll, we'll take, we'll do that. And then finally we're just like, Hey Tim, why don't you want to be in the group? And he's like, yeah, that'd be great. So that's kind of how we got together. That's not what he sounds like. No, it's not. He, he sounds more like this. I, <laughs> I can't get his. Although his, you won't know that if you go see Braco. Right. You won't. Yeah. Um, so he's very, he's very, um, 
he was very like, oh, yeah, I totally want to do this. So we decided to do an all-silent show. And our goal was to, the way we wrote our scenes was um, we said we want to take the most, the simplest task and do it in the hardest way possible. And that's sort of our, that's how we write our show. Um, so we need this light bulb burned out. We need to change the light bulb. What is the hardest, the most difficult way to change the light bulb? And that's how we get, it takes us eight minutes to change a light bulb where, you know, obviously it doesn't take that long, but it's a lot of, uh, clowning, um, and a lot of, uh, it's, it's just a more, it's just a lot of clowning and, and, and using the environment to inspire. There's a lot of, inspire. when I saw the show, there were a lot of props involved too. Ugh. Yes. <laughs> a lot of props. And you made a mess. We made a mess. We blended fruit on stage. Um yeah, we make a mess. And 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 that's our that's another thing is do it in the messiest way possible. Like the more mess we can make on stage the better. Um our crew doesn't like that because they have to clean it up, but um not your problem. No, no. I'm an actor. <laughs> now you're on the other side. No, on the other side. Who does tech for uh Brico? Uh, we have a couple people. Um, we have our stage manager. Her name's Jane. Um, we have our audio designer, our audio person. His name is Remy. He's doing all the audio for us. And then we have a lighting designer. Um, but Jane's going to be running the just the lighting. And so it's have, silent show. What's the audio? The audio on? is like, because um, it would be boring if you watched somebody do something in dead silence. So a lot of the audio ads, environmentals, like, um, it just gives you the where, I guess, of the scene. So if, like, if we're outside, you know, you hear, like, ambient noise, stuff like that. A lot of sound effects are done as well. Um, Do you use music in the show? We do, yeah, a lot of music. Okay. Uh, So the, the sound adds that other element because you're missing the voice, so you have to add everything else. The other senses have to be heightened. Because otherwise it will just be boring, you know. Um, and there's a lot of rules, too, that we gave ourselves. Um, there's no gesturing. We're not allowed to gesture to something. Like, hey, I'm gesturing to this chair. That means you go to that chair. Whereas I could just say that, go to that chair. I have, there's no, mm-hmm. we're not, we, we have. Not substituting or like miming. Right. There's no miming. There's no gesture. It's all, our, we're all focused and we know what the other one's thinking is how we, how our show is done. Do people compare you to blue man group sometimes? How um, is it different from that? Or is it similar? We're at all? not painted blue <laughs> and no, um, ours, we, that was the other main concern for us was we did not want to be blue man group or we mm-hmm. didn't want to be, like blue man group no, i apologize for bringing it up no that's okay <laughs> a lot of people have asked us that um and we i don't know we're just i think we're a different style than they are uh and it, when we thought about doing this we had we didn't even think about blue man group or anything like that until, until somebody that, brought it up to us yeah. we're like oh and then we kind of got a little self-conscious about it mm-hmm. um but we're not we're not anything like blue man group mm-hmm. you know i mean i didn't feel that way seeing the show but that's probably an inevitable comparison that it is would yeah make just from some of the parameters that sure are- absolutely um yeah we do the you know 
audience interaction type deal, but it, it, our style is completely different. We have we're a blue man group. They're all the same character. They all play that one simple character. Um, we, the three of us have our own personalities on stage. So we have a different, each of us has our, and we really literally play our own personalities. We just don't say anything. So there is that distinction between the three characters and the way that we interact with each other and relate with each other is the way we would normally interact with each other. Um, we just don't say anything. So, um, we got our, we actually got a director for this show. Uh, her name's Ann Boyd and she's a, um, she teaches movement at, uh, Columbia college and she's very good at, um, she watched our show once and she picked out all three of our personalities like immediately. So, which is good because we didn't know if that was coming across. And so now for this show that we're doing, she wants us to heighten those personalities even more. Um, so I, she picked, I couldn't believe the fact that she picked them out like instantly. It was hilarious. I mean, you're doing your job. Yeah. How much does the show vary night to night? This show, yeah, uh, it can't. It has so to be the same. Much it like has to be the same um, because of all the t- technical cues. Yeah, and it's technically demanding, even for it. We have a. It's us three on stage, but we have a crew of, you know, two people backstage that are helping us, handing props and getting yeah, and ready. taking care of the the actual set itself. Um, and then we have two people in the booth. You know, so our crew is vastly larger than the actual people on stage. Um, so it has to be the same. Like, I have to literally stand in the same spot every night. There's one point where Timmy jumps, and I have to catch him every night. So I have to be in that same exact spot. I have to be waiting for him. I have to be ready. You know, so it's kind of one of those things. It's very, every movement, every movement that we do is meticulously thought out and planned and you know, I turn on this and I move this way. I take this prop and I move it back here. I put it here. I set it down because we're going to need it in two scenes for something else, you know. So it's very, it cannot vary at all. It has to be very strict. Were you intimidated to do this with these guys? Um, I was, or yeah. So, I mean, they have so much more stage experience than you, for sure. one thing. yeah. And um, training. So for you... You know, you make it sound like you and and the other Brian were just kind of shooting the shit one day, and then it, it happened. But yeah. like, how does it really happen? It it was kind of like that. We were talked about it, and then you know, Brian was he wanted. I mean, did you come home from that, and you were like, "Does he really?" I mean, he's talking about me. Is he serious about this? Does well, really- <laughs> yeah, it was kind of. I I kind of wanted to try it because I knew that I didn't have to talk mm-hmm. on stage, and I thought. Well, if a lot of it is just movement and technically I, I come from, that's what my background was in is very technically technical background. So it was kind of the same thing to me. It's, it felt the same where like, well, I have to physically move this way all the time, you know, so I have to get this. It was more of like, it became more patterns, I guess, of doing things. And that's what my, so it was like thinking the same way as your technology sure. training exactly and that's kind of why i think i wanted to do it because it was there wasn't that element of voice where it could change even like in uh when you say a line and you the you use a different inflection that line is totally different do you know what i mean and so i think that 
that kind of would uh, not really mess me up, but it would just make me start to think in my head, oh, now I'm starting to think about what I'm saying, and which is always bad to do on stage. But that doesn't happen to you physically? No. Not when you're doing things like, like in the same order over and over and over and over again. Do you feel like, are you acting? Do you feel like you're acting? Uh, <laughs> that sounds like yeah, a condescending question, does, but no. I mean, you know. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, it, sometimes you do, and sometimes I don't. Sometimes, like when I doing when we're doing the show. We're doing rehearsals, and it's like I know that I have to do. This is the path that I have to take to get to the end of this scene, and I'm not really paying attention to what's going on, what the audience is looking at. I don't really, you know what I mean. In your head, you're like, no, no, I'm have to get to, I have to pick up this chair, and I have to put the chair down because I need to sit in it. I need to do this after that. I don't really necessarily think it's acting. It's just like, but I mean, actors talk about stuff like that as being a problem a lot of times. So I'm wondering how it's different for you. Like it sounds almost for you like it's helps you do it. Like it's a coping mechanism. Like you can focus on that. Yeah. But do you have to, does it take you out of it? I mean, do you have to like, does your character have to be like sad or happy or angry at any point? Yeah. Um, And so I guess when I'm talking about like the acting, that's more what I mean. Yeah. There are things where, um, you have to convey a certain message to the audience. Like there's one, we go through the five stages of, I'm giving away kind of our show a little bit, which is fine, but we have to go through the five stages of grief and to physically, I have to physically show the audience that I'm going through the five stages of grief, you know, so, uh, denial, um, anger, uh, bargaining, um, uh, Oh, (laughs) that's not good. Show opens uh, in uh, two weeks. Uh, (laughs) Oh wait! Friday. This Friday is yeah. the first show. Okay. Um, yeah. So, but I mean, I have to physically show that. So yeah, that in a way, I feel like I'm acting, like I'm showing anger. Um, but then there's other things where it's like I'm doing a task, so I'm I'm not really acting for the audience. I'm acting for myself. Um, and our director and she told us she's like, this scene, you're acting for yourself. This is an insular scene so you're just the only people you should care about are the the three people on stage and what you're doing Mm -hmm. then there's other scenes where she's like those are outside so you have to you're performing for the audience so you have to physically show the audience these things so she was very good at telling us which scenes are what and that kind of focused and made those scenes a lot better because before we didn't really think that way in our head we didn't think well this scene we're doing for ourselves. And then this scene we're doing for the audience. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, she defined that for us. Because we were kind of doing it both. Like we were flow in and out of that. In yeah, just in sort scenes. of naturally. But right. having an understanding of it helped. Right. And so she said, no, this scene, don't do that. And it made that scene a lot different and a lot better. And kind of um, more focused. She focused what our scenes were about. You know what I mean? So it, it it was a having her come in and tell us these things because we were self directed. We don't have a director previously, so, right? So having someone else tell you what your show looks like is it's um, it's hard to hear things, but at the same time, it's awesome because you get a different set of eyes because you can only see 
from my perspective, from your own perspective, you know what I mean? You don't know what the audience is thinking. So to have someone come in and say, this is what I thought of that. This is how this came off. It's a lot. Uh, it, it made us understand what we were doing on stage a lot better. And then we made changes and, and, and things like that. So it was very, um, it was, it was awesome to, to have someone come in and tell you what they thought about your scene and, and then how to change it and then change it and then making them say, okay, that worked or this didn't work, you know? So it was, it's really cool to have that. Do you have a sense of like during sketch fest, can you tell when a group has it has worked with the director? Or not? Yeah, like, absolutely. It really, makes yeah, a you can really, it really does. Um, and as hard as it is to have someone come in and tell you that this scene is, is not going to work or is not good or not necessarily not good, but these are things that don't work in your scene. That's really hard to hear. Um, they call it killing your babies, I guess. I know it's an awful term, but <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's what they call it. Um, but when uh, what happens? I see this happen a lot in the with the Cuba players is when they're writing a show. Um, every you'll write probably sixty scenes for a show, and only ten of them get in. So those other fifty, you just throw out. You know what I mean? So there's someone in. Someone has to make that decision of this is a good scene. We should continue writing it, or this is a, not a good scene. And you can't. And a lot of actors feel bad about that. They get into that. Oh, this is. I don't want to do that. They, 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 you know, they just feel bad and they don't want to, you know, that's like me telling you that your work is bad. You should, you know, oh, erase yeah. all that. I'm used to, I you, know the feeling. Right. Exactly. You're just like, I don't know. You're an idiot. My things are the greatest. But in, I mean, the thing that makes it so hard about any kind of creative medium, there's always this issue of not being so full of yourself that, you won't take a note right or that you freak out about criticism, but also having the confidence to do stuff (laughs) because at some point you have to believe in yourself at at least to a point where you're enabled to do things and you have to believe in your vision sometimes against what people say to do really interesting things. Right. Um, But then there's balancing that with, listening to other people right yeah Con- constructive criticism is a really hard thing to to give and to receive at the same time do you know what i mean was there anything with the Brico show that the director said to you and your immediate thought was oh yeah that's wrong yeah there were a, a lot of not a lot but there were a few things where i was like no no that and all three of us did it we we're like no this this has to stay this way or and were you always was that instinct always wrong? I mean, um, I guess I'm sort of asking you. Like. Yeah, I mean, there were there were a couple things where we just said, "Anne, we can't change this," mm-hmm. and she was like, "Okay." Um, she's like, "Well, we'll have to, we'll make it work then," you know. Right. But there were there were things that she, she made us change that we all three were kind of like, oh, "I don't know, I don't know about that," and then doing it, and then we're like, "That is a okay, that makes much more sense now," or you know, I think doing it not shutting it off completely and just trying it i think is and then saying no to it Mm -hmm. is a lot different than just saying no to it completely um you know and a lot of times we discussed a lot of things too where you know these things we can't just we we have to have these things in um and explaining to her why 
and then she helped us say she helped us go well if you're going to leave that in then this you might want to change this to make that work correctly right you know and then we did do that and then you know it came it was kind of like a happy medium so it was like a lot of give and take between um between us as the writers and her as the director how has doing the stage show changed the way you think about tech or has it um it has i've because um brian and tim are they're actors on their own they don't do any tech at all they never have done any tech um to them they're like oh yeah we'll just do this you know we'll 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 make this thing come out of the ceiling (laughs) and me as a tech person goes okay well in order for that to happen there's all this other stuff that has to happen right you know to them it's just like well no someone will just do it you know so for them it's a lot different of a process than it is for me and from and it's likewise for me it's a totally different process you know they're discussing like the relationship between the audience and the actors on stage i'm like i don't know what the hell you're talking about i'm just standing here <laughs> like with this i'm holding these two balls in my hand what yeah. who cares you know so it's so how it, does it work i mean is there is it ever a problem that they're coming from a much more cerebral this is how comedy is done trained kind um, of perspective and you're more coming from a gut level yeah but that is what we use that to define our characters okay so my character that's just who i am that's how i am and mm-hmm. and that's just it um my character is very like I'll, i'm real quiet uh and i just observe a lot that's just but that's what i do in general anyway where i'm always in my head thinking this is how this is going to work this is where those two are a lot different they're outside um they wear their emotions they're really good physically with their emotions and stuff like that where i'm not as good at that i i can do it you know i can pull it off but well it's interesting you saying that because from what i remember a lot of your moments are about very subtle things. Yeah. Like very subtle things you'll do physically. Right. We'll get a big laugh. Right. Um, and it, it almost seems like that. I mean, it's a very different way to, to get a reaction out of people. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, a lot of that was done where I would just wasn't thinking about it. I was just like, well, I have to, I'm going to do this little thing because I'm not doing anything. I have to do this small thing. And it, and then when you hear somebody, when you hear the audience laugh at that, you're like, oh, okay. So that's like a positive reinforcement thing. So you're like, oh, okay, that, that's funny. So then you build up your confidence as you, as you go along with it. Um, yeah, it is, it, the, there is that balance too of like doing, being overly uh, rambunctious, I guess, on stage versus just being real quiet and then doing one little thing at a time, I guess. Um, it, that, it, you know, it just depends. Mm-hmm. I just got distracted because your phone did something weird. Oh yeah. It lit up. Um, we'll, we should probably start to wrap up here. Sure. Um, even though I feel like we could talk about this some more, let me ask you, did you doing the show now? Does it make you feel like much more interested in performing? Um, well, I've always done, like with the Cupid players, I've always done, I had one 
song in the show. It's about being the tech guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always done that. And people seem to really enjoy that. They love it. <laughs> um, and I think a lot of it is uh, because I'm one of them. I'm not well, an actor. Mm-hmm. I think that's where people relate to it. They have a lot. Or it's easier for them to relate to it. Um, because I am, you know. I think they can sense that. Yeah. They can sense that you're terrified. really the tech guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, they can see me, you know. Right. Um, but I think a lot of... Uh, oh, I just lost my train of thought. About if it makes you want to do it more. Oh, yeah. Um, I like doing that. I love being on stage doing that. That, for me, is really hard just because it's singing, which I'm not that comfortable with and I'm not that good at it. Mm-hmm. Um but as long as you sell it to the audience, as long as you make the audience believe that you know what you're doing, then, you know, they'll believe you. Um, so I, I enjoy that of so it. So as long as you make them believe, <laughs> yes. then they'll believe They'll you. believe me, yes. Right. Yeah, those are wise words. <laughs> I want to write those down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I like performing. I don't know if I'll ever get into... Um, acting like doing uh, acting on stage. I don't know. We'll see. It's mm-hmm. kind of one of those things where uh, let me do this first and get on stage for a long period of time, longer period of time than. So, if I were to ask, like, what future ambitions you had, you know, tech or or stage or do you have an idea in your head at all? Um, or? I would. I mean, you've been doing this for a long time, so. It seems like, uh, you know, how introspective do you get about it of like, am I just going to be doing tech for another 10 years? Are you happy with doing that? Or like, what is it that you wanted? Your life is so much about theater and particularly sketch comedy theater because you're working at the theater building, you're teching shows every week. Now you're, you're performing in a show, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know if my goal is ever to like, I love doing tech stuff. I, I, I just love doing it. Um, and the reason is I get to see a bunch of other shows. I get to see as many shows as I want, you know, as long as I'm doing tech, I can see different shows. I don't have to pay for them, you know, and I get to see the evolution of, of how things start to how they end. Like, this scene started this way, but after six weeks of doing it, it ended this way. Whereas an audience member just sees it once, you know, so I get to see that the actors do that journey, which I like a lot. Um, I love performing in Brico just because it's, it's so, I mean, we have generally, that's all we're doing on stage is having fun. We just having fun. I get to shoot Nerf dart guns at the audience. Do you know what I mean? How much fun is that? Like, when will I ever be able to do that? Um, so, uh, you know, as far as doing more acting, I don't know. I might. I, I haven't really given it much thought, to be honest with you. I love doing tech. I love doing the Bryco. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just love, I love watching it more than I think I like doing it. But that could change. It'll probably change after this show, I think. Why do you make that prediction? <clears throat> because I like this show so much. Like, I love, like, even being at rehearsal, I just, I love acting with th- these two guys, with Brian and Tim. I just, they make me laugh all the time, you know. And so a lot of it is just, 
be like I love doing that, having that interaction with them where they can make me laugh without saying anything is is I think the most amazing thing ever. So I I, I just love doing it. What's I mean, what's your perfect case scenario for the show? Like, just for, like, how will you know if the show is successful? Um, I, I, well, I know it'll be successful. I just, just because that's, we're such perfectionists as far as, like, things, like, we worked on a, a minute and a half scene for rehearsal, and it took us four hours to do a minute and a half. Just, like, rehearse it. Just to rehearse it. We got it down like the, our movements down exactly, you know? Um, so I know it will be successful. Um, you know, we'll see. What does success mean the night of the show? Uh, if nothing goes wrong, that's, it's a successful show. So it, so that's interesting though, because yeah. I'm wondering now if I were to ask Brian or Tim, that same question, if their answer might have more to do with the audience. Yeah, I yeah, it might have to. Yeah, I don't is about the tech. Right, like right. everything works, right? Everything goes well. Yeah, um, yeah, they might say, well, if there's a hundred people there, you know, right? I I I just love doing it. I don't, you know, if there's two people there, I'll do it for two people. Okay, so how do we get those two people there? Why don't we do a little uh, promotion for the show? Sure, now? it's Brico, which is. Named because two Bryans and Tim Sosko, right? Correct, yes. Okay. There's the backstory there. For, yeah. Is that a secret? No. That, spoiler alert? No. Uh-uh. Okay. It was, that's just the name <laughs> of our, that's how we came up with our name. Uh, did that take four and a half hours to come up with? Uh, no, there was some discussion, but then that was it. <laughs> okay. All right. Brian came up with that and we were like, okay, that sounds good. So this is uh, at stage 773 from November 26th to through January 2nd. And um, on Friday and Saturdays, is that right? Yep, Friday and Saturday at seven thirty, and then Sundays at two o'clock. Yep. With there's a couple of dates like Christmas and stuff that are a little different, so you have to go online to see what those are. But for the most part, starting Friday, going through the end of the year, yep, weekend stage seven seven three. It's kid friendly show, right? It is kid friendly. Yes, that's something kind of unique with uh, yeah the sketch shows. Yeah, uh, because we don't talk we don't have to worry about swearing are there any vulgar gestures no vulgar gestures okay yeah cool Um, so we do recommend it five and up though you know they say silence is the universal language it is (laughs) do they say that i don't know if they that's a good saying too it is write that one down it's all zingers tonight (laughs) today it's starting it's three o'clock it's starting to get dark it's confusing me yeah um so you can get uh tickets at the theater the night of the show? You can get tickets at the theater at the night of the show, or you can get them online. Okay. Uh, just go to www.stage773.com, and okay. you can order online. And it's how much? Uh, it is 18 for adults and $12 for kids. Okay. And we'll have all that info on the... Wherever you got the podcast from, there'll be something close by sure. that'll tell you, so if you need to know. Uh, and then your... Brightco is also going to be performing during the Sketchfest. We are. We'll we have two nights, um, the first weekend and the second weekend, and that you can also find um, at the Chicago or ChicagoSketchfest.com is cool. the calendar. All right. Well, Brian, Mr. Peter Lynn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for uh, joining me here. Well, thanks I for having this me. This was fun for you. It was. And. Doesn't make you feel too weird when you listen back later. No, I won't. <laughs>
Okay. Because your voice, you've been performing. I, I have been. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, I, I can have tell. Been. I can see you acting the whole time. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, that's about it. Uh, do you... I'd like to give you the final word. Um, some, so you've got, I'm sure, some sort of message or just an interesting phrase. or uh, um, Just take us out. It's your voice. That's the last thing. They, your voice, a little stinger music, that's it. All right. Uh, and... Go. Come see Bryco. Bryco.